The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com Welcome, boys and ghouls. It's time once again to kick open the old mausoleum door and see what climbs out. Clawing his way out of a fetid grave is Drew, a.k.a. Rabid Badger. Pull up a slab with Jim Millspaw in his award-winning role as the Professor of Torture, Meat Hook Jim. Jason Storm is here as fan favorite, gothic commentator, Storm. Do you smell something burning? It must be Salem's favorite old crone, Jonna Summers. <laughs> now light a torch, grab your pitchfork, and make like a bunch of terrified villagers. You found another episode of The Big Scary Show! <laughs> The haunt industry is buzzing with excitement as everyone is making preparations to head out to St. Louis in a few short weeks for the biggest trade show of the year. The Big Scary Show will once again be covering the event, albeit at a new location. Find us at booth 2136 to record a shout-out, register for the Box of Mystery giveaway, or... Tell us about what new things your haunt is doing for 2024. And be sure to tune into Big Scary Show episode 308 to get you in the haunting mood. In this episode, Storm is ranting about AI in Haunt Minute. Meat Hook Jim discusses Death Row USA in Between the Corpses. Badger reads the latest in Deadline News. The old crone has an interview with Siphon. There is a gruesome giveaway for the month of February. Of course there is. And we're spinning some spooky tunes to put you in the mood for Transworld. The Round Table of Terror welcomes the owner of Hell's Gate Haunted Attraction, John LaFlamboy, to discuss his Emmy Award for his documentary, Feed the Beast, 25 Years of Statesville Haunted Prison. We discuss the making of the documentary, his work on other films, Hell's Gate Haunted Attraction, what the zombie army is doing at Transworld, and what's going on with Days of the Living Dead. It's a fun conversation you don't want to miss. All this and much, much more, we hit the body, but you'll become an accomplice just by listening to The Big Scary Show, episode 308, begins right now.
on the most fantastic and terrifying journey of your life, 4,000 miles into the center of the Earth, to a world within our world, at the Earth's core. Now, American International Pictures curls you at supersonic speeds with Doug McClure and Peter Cushing to a world peopled by creatures beyond your wildest nightmares. The Mosops, whose fiery breath withers trees and plants. The vicious Mayhars, bird women who feed on human flesh. The giant Boz, lizard-like behemoths with poison fangs. The cruel Sagoths, animal-faced soldiers of Pellucidar, ruled by the Princess Dia, whose seductive beauty can drive men mad. Come on the most incredible voyage ever dared by man. Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's Core. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Transworld Halloween, an attraction show, has returned to its rightful place in March at the America Center in St. Louis. Join thousands of fellow haunters from all over the world on March 7th through 10th for the number one Halloween industry trade show on the planet. With amazing classes and workshop, biggest vendor floor anywhere, the after parties, the Oscars awards, and so much more. How can you possibly miss it? Don't forget the Christmas and interactive entertainment areas too. Register today at haashow.com. That's haashow.com, and we'll meet you in St. Louis. Chris Thomas, Music for Hearts, A Lonely Hell on the Big Scary Show. This is John LaFlamboy from the Chicago Police Blotter, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. 
Looking to step up your costume? CFX products perform in every environment. Film, haunted attractions, stage shows, theme parks, cosplay, and good old-fashioned Halloween. Created for realism and comfort from the number one company leading the industry for over 16 years, a CFX silicone mask isn't finished until you put it on. Whatever your needs, CFX has you covered with silicone. And once you put it on, you too will agree that a CFX mask will be the most comfortable rubber you'll ever wear. Find your new face today at cfxmasks.com, cfxmasks.com. Hi, it's Kevin McSacky with the Chicago Haunt Builders. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and this is the Deadline News for episode 308. And we have an update from Transworld coming to St. Louis. On Thursday, March 7th, the always popular City Museum Party is back and is completely private. Come have fun with friends and fellow attendees. We'll have the entire museum all to ourselves. Your ticket includes your choice of a hot dog, large hot pretzel, large popcorn, nachos, or a slice of pizza if you purchase tickets on or before February 29th. All items will be served at the guard dog stand on the second floor except for the pizza slices which will be served in the lizard lounge on the mezzanine level. We'll have complimentary sodas for all guests. DJ Psych Jam Music from Basement of the Dead will be playing music in Architectural Hall from 7.30 until 11.30 p.m. Cash bars will be available in the following locations. The Cabin Inn, there will be a full bar on the first floor. The Lizard Lounge will be serving beer, wine, and soda on the mezzanine level. Architectural Hall will be at the Cowboy Bar, which will be a full bar on the third floor. Beatnik Bob's full bar on the third floor. An overflow cafe bar on the fourth floor with beer, frozen drinks, and coffee. Note, bar locations are subject to change. This event is sponsored by Fearworm Haunt Vertising and Ticket Leap. Get more information at haashow.com. We have a little haunt news. This time from the Hall of Horrors in Casey, South Carolina. Hall of Horrors Haunted Attraction returns for Valentine's Day for a special three-night limited engagement. Undying Love happening Thursday the 15th through Saturday the 17th from 7.30 until 10.30 p.m. What better place to party for Valentine's Day for the local teens other than the dilapidated Blackwell farmhouse in the middle of a cornfield? While it looks unassuming during the day and may no longer be inhabited by the living, don't dare get caught there after dark. Them disrespectful antics of the local teens have awakened vengeful spirits on this long-abandoned farm, and they're not happy. Get more information at halloforrors.org. We have this from Fear on the Farm in Winfield, West Virginia. Lee's Studio Productions and Fear on the Farm present the 2024 Monster Mash Prom on Saturday, February 17th from 8 p.m. to midnight. Come dressed as your favorite monster and enjoy a night of food, drink, and dancing. Reserve your spot today, $30 a person or $45 a couple. 8x10 prom picks will be available for only $15. Call 681 203 
888-238-3683 or visit fearonthefarmwv.com for more information. We have this from the American Horrorplex in Louisville, Kentucky. We've got a special treat just for you and your Valentine. Come check out our Eat Your Heart Out Valentine's Day Blackout event. Do you have what it takes to survive? Collect all the hearts to receive your special reward. Do you need a date? We've got two. Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th from 8 to 10 p.m. at the American Horrorplex 2012 Northwestern Parkway in Louisville. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash horrorplexky. We have this news from the Abattoir Haunted House in Vincennes, Indiana. Your next chance to scream is coming up soon. We'll have six heartbroken psychos waiting in the dark to give you Valentine's Day cards, and you have to collect all six or the gatekeeper won't let you out. Presenting Die, Die, My Darling on February 17th from 7 to midnight, you must sign a waiver to enter. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash abattoirvincennes. Hmm. We have this news from the Nowhere Haunted House in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Skip the roses and chocolates and come to Nowhere Haunted House for Cupid's Revenge. It's a bloody new twist on the Valentine's holiday full of thrills, frightful scares, and ear-shattering screams that will make your blood curdle. Our Valentine's-themed haunted house offers a regular spine-tingling walk-through haunted attraction on Saturday, February 7th, and our 18-plus version on Friday, February 16th, where our monsters are fully unleashed and ready for some real fun. Cupid's Revenge runs for one weekend only. Get your tickets now at NowhereHauntedHouse.com. We have this news from the 13th Floor Haunted House in Denver, Colorado. Can you survive the twisted tales of passion and fear? Forget candlelit dinners. This Valentine's experience the fright of a lifetime at 13th Floor, Denver. Love Bites, a Valentine's Haunted House, February 16th through the 18th. Get more information at 13thfloorhauntedhouse.com slash lovebites. Have a little convention news, this time with an update from Days of the Dead coming to Las Vegas. Days of the Dead is pleased to announce the addition of actor Jonathan Breck to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Las Vegas, happening March 15th through the 17th at the Plaza Hotel and Casino. Jonathan Breck is best known for his role as the demonic antagonist in the Jeepers Creepers series. He's also appeared in numerous film and television productions including Spiders, I Married a Monster, and Star Trek Voyager. Tickets are on sale now at daysofthedead.com. And finally, we have this from the Spooky Swap Meet coming to Los Angeles. Applications are open to Haunted Up at the Heritage Square Museum in Los Angeles for the Spooky Swap Meet April 26th through the 28th. Any haunters out there wanting to show off their talents, Come decorate, exterior of a manor, one of the gorgeous Victorians on the grounds, and hand out candy to trick-or-treaters. Candy will be provided. If chosen, haunters will be given a booth space adjacent to their assigned house to sell any Halloween inventory they're ready to part with. 
Come join the fun and have an opportunity to work with the extremely talented haunt designer extraordinaire, John Cook. Get more information at SpookySwapMeet.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at BigScaryShow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. <laughs> see you soon at vfxcreates.com Music by Midnight Syndicate this is Sydney Campbell from Wicked Amusements, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Gathering of darkness. Darkness falls on The Big Scary Show.
And ladies and gentlemen, let's find out if you've been listening carefully to the show. It is time for the February edition of the Gruesome Giveaway sponsored by our very good friends at Screamline Studios. February is the season of love, so what better way to tell that special haunter in your life that you love them with a gift from Screamline Studios. Now, if you're lucky, you might just win one right now. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is in the show. All you have to do is send us an email along with your name and phone number and, of course, the answer to bsscontest at gmail.com before midnight on Monday, February 19th. It's just that simple, and this is a simple question. So, without further ado, the question for the February gruesome giveaway is... What was the name of the movie that John LaFlamboy starred in alongside Robert... England. If you think you know the answer to that, send us an email along with your name and number to bsscontest at gmail.com before midnight on February 19th and we will randomly select someone and you could be a winner of a fantastic prize from Screamline Studios. Previous winners and family members of the Big Scary Show are not eligible to win. Good luck. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Roundtable of Terror is very proudly sponsored by HauntPay. Whether it's time ticketing, virtual queue lines, or anything else related to online ticket sales, have Alex and his staff set you up at HauntPay.com. And ladies and gentlemen, as we count down to Transworld, we want to thank once again our very fine sponsor, Haunt Pay, for making it all possible to bring that information to you, hauntpay.com. And we look forward to seeing them at Transworld. We also look forward to seeing all our fine sponsors and our very special guest tonight. You know, we go to a lot of conventions, we go to a lot of trade shows, we interview lots and lots of people, haunt owners, celebrities. Sometimes the celebrities are award-winning celebrities, Oscars or Emmys. You know, they don't compare to the Oscars, of course. But it's rare where you get a dual haunt owner who has won a major award. But we have one today, a regional Emmy Award winner for a very recent documentary that came out about his previous haunted attraction. It's now available on YouTube reviewing. 
He's also the head of the Zombie Army Productions, which is an amazing, amazing thing. If you've never seen him pull up in their <coughs> legendary bus, um, get to know them at Transworld. He's been an owner of haunted attractions for well over a quarter century. His new one, Hell's Gate, is nationally known. He's also got some great movies out there, including a few in the works coming out, one very soon, one later this year. Of course, we are talking about the leader of the zombie army, Mr. John LaFlamboy, I believe in Chicago or the Chicago area. John, it is good to have you back on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We got, uh, got Transworld coming up. It feels like the season's starting. So what a great way to start the season to get on the show with you guys. Well, thank you very much. It is an honor to have you take time out of your no doubt busy schedule to talk with us. And we'd also like to welcome, for those brand new listeners, the rest of the roundtable panels, including up in Rhode Island, we have Storm. Greetings. I think I was once considered for a runner-up as a local Cable Ace Award. And who can forget your legendary performance as Guy on Steps in the Underdog movie? Can't forget that. But we'll talk about that another time. Uh, down in Cincinnati, we want to talk to Meat Hook Jim. Well, I can tell you one of my movies should get... It's not even good enough for the for the Razzies. That's how bad it is. <laughs> was, was, that, was that Ghost House? Yes, or which one? That was Ghost House. And you, you've been in a couple of others. Uh, I was in Revelation Trail. And that was a lot of fun. Cowboys are zombies in the Old West. And uh, if there's ever a Revelation Trail 2, I was hitting the shoulder. They didn't do a headshot on me, so I can come. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Heading out to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Don't know what her acting career is, but I do know she does a lot of festivals and things, a lot of times in costume. We have Jonna, the old crone. Oh, the old crone. I have been seen in multiple theatrical experiences. Um, currently, um, I'm an improv actor for a murder mystery dinner theater, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I also starred in a audio drama. Oh, very so, nice. I did not so know about it. that. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> my name is Drew Badger. You may have seen me in my riveting performance as Guy in the Stands at the Charlotte Coliseum in the Whoopi Goldberg film, Eddie along with about 12,000 other people. You can see me. I'm the guy waving the crutches. But we won't talk about that. We want to talk about John's documentary that came out, Feeding the Beast, 25 Years of Statesville Haunted Prison. It will make you shed every emotion. You'll laugh. You'll cheer. You will possibly tear up. John, tell us about this documentary. Again, congratulations on an Emmy Award for this. What made you decide to come up with this documentary? I know it's been closed down for a couple of years. Was it a last second thing? Did you decide like November of the previous year? Did you decide in August of your last year? How did, how did this documentary come to be? Sure. No, it was, um, it was a very fast uh, last second decision. Honestly, it all was. Um, we didn't know uh, it was going to be the final year at Statesville until... Mm -hmm. I think it was about four weeks before we opened the show. Uh, and so when, you know, that, you know, when that was finally settled and sitting in front of me and, and, you know, of course I've been there since 1998. Uh, so it was this huge chapter closing. Um, 
yeah, I am a filmmaker as well. Uh, I'm also a theater maker. So there was that moment where I had this kind of nostalgic, emotional, oh my God, this thing I've been doing for so long, I'm about to intentionally end it. Uh, there, I, I got over that emotion. That lasted like 12 seconds. Uh, and then immediately the filmmaker kicked in like, oh, we got to film this. We got to film this. Uh, this has been a Chicago institution uh, in the haunted house world for you know over two decades. Thousands of actors have come in and out over those course of those decades. There've been so many amazing people that have helped create this living, breathing show uh, that, that touched so many. Uh, and I thought there was, there was no way we can end it without giving it like a proper send off. Uh, and so it was really kind of important to me that not only was the final season, this real celebration of it all, uh, but I also wanted to make sure we captured uh, that and what it meant to everybody while we still could. Uh, it's, it's very rare in this industry to see your death coming. Uh, most people's shows end uh, and then they find out it's over. Um, we had this this very rare moment of of seeing the end, you know, right in front of us. Uh, and so, yeah, as a filmmaker, I thought it was essential that we captured that. And, uh, you know, we, we do our reality web series, Days of the Living Dead. We've been doing that for over a decade now behind the scenes at Statesville and Hell's Gate. Uh, so I called Mike Meyer and Chris Sato, who are the amazingly gifted filmmakers that put that show together every year. And I said, hey, guys, I know we already got a season planned. I already know we have all of our episodes planned. Uh, but I'm going to throw this really big wrench right in the middle of all this. I think we have to shoot this film. Uh, and, you know, God, I love those guys. Uh, Mike and Chris are just like, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, let's do it. And they jumped in with full gusto and, and with very little lead time, very little warning time. We just jumped into it. And, and uh, you know, we, we talked about the Emmys, but I cannot talk about the Emmys without saying, we, we won two Emmys, first of all, so that was awesome. Uh, but, but I introduced the saying we won two Emmys because it's very important. Mike Meyer, who, uh, Yokai Films, Mike Meyer, uh, who does Days of Living Dead with his partner, Chris Sato, he won for editing on his own straight up editing merit. Uh, and then we, we, the three of us, won as producers for Best Feature. Uh, but at the end of the day, Myself uh, and Chris Sato, we rode Mike Myers' coattails. Uh, Mike Meyer is the heart of this documentary. He's the one that pulled all those emotions on you. Uh, I was the producer that made things happen, but he was the artist that really crafted that beautiful story. And, and I, I, cannot, I cannot take credit for any of that part. Uh, I was a producer, but he was, he was the man that made the magic for sure. Was any of it scripted? Did you have like a writer or did you write things that you God, really no. needed or wanted to say? Or was it all off the cup, all all emotion, all improv, so to speak? It, it was all incredibly rare. I'm sorry, incredibly raw and in the moment. Uh, there was no preparation. It was, it was barely even a structure, to be honest with you. Um, we just rolled camera on a lot of days. Um, and, and really, I think the goal we had going into it it wasn't about Statesville. It was about the people. Yeah, and that's what I've always said about the haunted house industry in general. It's about the people. It's about the people behind these walls. It's about the people that make this industry go. Uh, it is the actors and the crew. I mean, it, it truly is. So if we had any goals when we started, it, it was about 
talking to the people and, and finding out what it meant to them. Uh, I think that was probably our guiding light, you know, of, of what pulled us through the documentary. The thread was always about exploring what this thing meant to, to people. Uh, and, and, and we followed that. And, and, you know, we were very lucky. We've been filming out there, you know, because I am an idiot filmmaker. We've been filming out there since, you know, 2001. I made my first documentary out there with a friend of mine who came over from Germany just for fun uh, called Thank You for Coming, Burn in Hell. Uh, and that was a documentary <laughs> of Statesville back in 01 uh, when we were babies. So we also had this great gift from Uta Gortz and uh, the filmmaker from Germany and from Days of the Living Dead for all these years, we had this great gift of all this content uh, to truly show us from 98 all the way until 2023. Um, it was a gift that we had all that footage uh, and, and a great benefit. I don't think we could have pulled off such a thing uh, if we didn't have all that footage in the back from all the other stuff we've shot. When you gave the news, broke the news to your actors, and you have a mm -hmm. lot of actors. Mm -hmm. um, one, what was their reaction? Two, how many of them wanted to be in this documentary? <laughs> um, of course, the reaction was just, I mean, it was just sadness everywhere. It was, it was buckets of sadness. Uh, it is often sometimes hard being the person that uh, has this vision, this idea, uh, but it's so far away. <laughs> it's sometimes hard uh, in that immediate moment to convince people that this is the right decision. Uh, and I remember it was just, it was painful uh, for a lot of people because a lot, there was a lot of people that just didn't understand why um, because, you know, it, 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 it's successful. It's, it, it's doing very well. It's critically acclaimed. It's making lots of money. Why would you end something that's, doing well um but you know as an artist as a storyteller and honestly a, as a business owner uh i truly felt we had come to the end of the road uh and 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 it was time to move on to something else and we had already started hell's gate so it made sense um but it was hard it was really hard to tell them you know it was really hard to break the news to them um and it was almost always uh, met with tears it was almost always met with tears uh, there are people on the inside, my closer circle, uh, that understood what I was trying to do here, uh, <laughs> where I was trying to go with all this. Uh, they got it. Um, uh, but even they, you know, once we got into it, man, and we we're doing our days and we're like, oh, my God, this is the last Friday. Oh, my God, this is the last Saturday. Oh, my God, this is the last time I'll walk down this hall or give this speech. Uh, the, the, you know, the famed Hell's Gate pit or Statesville pit. Um each time we hit one of those lasts, it, it was emotional for everyone involved. And you could just feel it. You could feel it all around. And, and how many people said, I want to be in your documentary now. I want to be able to tell my story, my experience. Because you talked to several actors and, and, and some of them were like, this is my home. This is not my yeah. where I live. This is my home. It was It was very touching to hear some of the stories. So... You know, did you get like 90%, 50%? How many people were like, oh, please have them talk to me? Oh, God, no. We only got maybe 10%. Uh, it was not possible hmm. to get everybody, right? Um, yeah, five-hour yeah, I mean, documentary. We, yeah, exactly. And, we, and I really intentionally wanted to make something small. You know, I wanted it to be short form. I wanted it to be something that was small enough that I could get it out there 
and people could share in it because it, it really the most important part was to just share our story you know share what this place meant to so many people uh and, and the feedback we got from the audience that that was something that just kind of like that really blew us away you know it's like we had the one side of of the actors and what it meant to them and and that it was their home and i mean it was incredibly heartfelt interviews um and yes, a lot of people wanted to tell the story and a lot of people wanted to hide from camera because they didn't want to cry on camera. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of that, people hiding from camera. Um, but it really, then it was the audience, you know, getting their testimonials too. You know, and a lot of it was in the documentary and some of it we just got, you know, at the space. But, you know, people that come telling you that this was their, their, their tradition with their father for all these years as a kid. And now their father's passed away. Uh, and now that person is bringing their son, you know, and and just these stories of not just the people that worked there, but the community at large that supported us that was there every year. Um, they wanted to share their stories, too. Uh, and that, that was a really beautiful thing, you know, that that surprised us. I mean, of course, we knew it was out there, but they really made it a point to go out of their way to let us know uh, what it meant to them, too. Well, hopefully you'll put it out on a DVD Blu-ray with some of those that did not make the cut. I mean, it is only a 38-minute documentary, I believe, and I, I'm sure you yeah, hot and fast. literally hours, yeah. hours of footage that you probably Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> God, <So>. yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's great. I, I loved it. Um, when you put this thing together, the doors shut on Statesville. Mm -hmm. Um. You sat there, you exhaled, and then you were like, all right, we got to start putting this thing together. How long did it take to put together and how difficult was it to submit? I mean, who do you submit this to of all, sure. of all things? I have no idea. Yeah, so we, we filmed it through uh, the year, um, you know, and we kind of wrapped it all in winter there, sometime in winter. Uh, but then we needed to get some like kind of like a few more source interviews um, you know, stuff that wasn't in the loud raucous of the haunted house. So we had to do some interviews over the winter at Hell's Gate to kind of fill out the rest of the dock. And it's, I think we're right around spring is when we, we made a play that, you know, we, we had two paths to choose. We were either going to do the film festival tour or we were going to try to get this bad boy on TV. Uh, and we realized, like, getting it on TV is a ridiculous idea. Uh, it's a short-form documentary about a haunted house. Uh, but uh, that's that was the lane. Uh, and and that's we swung for the fences uh, because we knew if we could get it aired on TV, then we could submit it for consideration of an Emmy, which also seemed insane and ridiculous uh but if anybody knows me like that's that's my lane man uh i like insane and ridiculous all day uh swing for the fences why not and so we did you know and also a testament to mike meyer you know and again you know he's a, a wonderful filmmaker that really pounded the pavement uh and looked for a place that would air it uh and then we did our promos and let everyone know it was airing on this channel uh, and it got aired a couple times, got some views, and that's all it took. And uh, that got into the consideration for the Emmys. And we felt like we felt like we were crashing the party, man. Uh, I mean, there's a table of ABC, there's NBC, there's WGN, 
And, and then there's us. <laughs> like our whole company is three people <laughs> when it comes to the filmmakers. And and it felt like we snuck in, you know, we 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 went got our, our suits at the meds warehouse and we felt like we crashed the party the whole time. So when they called our names uh to go on stage, it, it was true pandemonium. I mean, I let myself just have all the fun in the world when it came to that. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. You did go to some film festivals, didn't you? We did not. It uh, oh. has not gone to film festival. We did not oh, submit. Okay. Yeah, because well, because my main thing is I wanted to share it, you know, and and so I've done film festivals. You know, I'm doing just finished a festival tour with another feature film I'm working on, and that's great if you don't need it to go out by a certain day, right? But I felt like we had something that was very raw and timely, and I wanted to make sure it went out one year after Statesville closed. And I wanted it, I wanted it to be free. I wanted everyone to have a chance to see it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make any money on it. I didn't want to charge for anything. I, I, I didn't want it in the tours. If it went to the film festival tour, it could get lost there for a year. Um, so for me, it was very important that on it was on Halloween. Uh, we released it. Uh, and we put it on YouTube for free so that everybody could watch it whenever they want to watch it. Um, and that was, for me, it was essential to, to share it and share it for free with the community that supported us so long. When you get an award from a regional Emmy award show, does that put you in any kind of national contention with the other regions for some category um, or not? No, uh, it's just based on how far was the broadcast, right? So for us, um, where we got it broadcast, it broadcast over the entire Midwest region. So that's our region. Um, okay. I like the idea of us going into a cage fight, though, with like the Southeastern <laughs> Conference and see what happens. Uh, but uh, no, it is just a regional. Uh, unless you're broadcast national, uh, you don't have those ops. Sounds like, you know, an amazing story here, just so kind of off the cuff. And like, like we said, everything unscripted. And I assume that when people found out it was Statesville's last year, you know, did you have people coming up and saying, like you said a minute ago, you know, I brought my dad here and now I'm bringing my son, but did you have people mm -hmm. saying, are, are the film crews out here? I want to tell them my story or anything like that. Or did they just kind of no. random people? Yeah, I mean, no one knew we were doing this documentary. I mean, some of the kids figured it out as we were going, but we kind of hid the documentary inside of the web series. You know, so we always have cameras around for Days of the Living Dead. So people are just used to seeing cameras. Um, so it was also kind of a, a, a sneaky little way uh, to film our documentary because everyone's just so used to it. So we really got that truth. You know, we really got that vulnerability, um, you know, which, I, I, you know, a lot of people, if you haven't seen uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, sure, it's a documentary about haunted houses. And sure, that's all fun uh, with Spooky Scary. Um, but really, it, it truly is a documentary about people. And, and I, I think that's the thing that uh, people are surprised about the most. Uh, and you said it earlier in your intro to it, Drew. Uh, it hits all the emotions. And, and, and I'm so grateful uh, to all the cast members and all those people that did share that with us. Uh, because it is, you know, it is special. And their time there was special. The show was special. And what we all created out there on that farm for those years was special. 
and yeah, I'm just so grateful that we were able to capture it. And, and because we're always around with the documentary Kevin's for the web series, we really got a lot of people to just give us the goods and God, it's, it, it's hard to watch. Uh, cause yeah, I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you it didn't make me cry every goddamn time I watched it. Cause it does make me cry every <laughs> goddamn time. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things I'm the most grateful for. I, I likened it, uh, when I, when I talked to Mike Meyer, you know, expressing to him how grateful I was for his dedication and everything he put into it. I said, Mike, it's, um, it's one of those things I'd run back in my house for if my house was on fire, because we're so lucky to have that, you know, to have that kind of 20 something years encapsulated in a 37 minute doc. We have that forever, uh, forever. It'll honor all the people that work there forever. It'll honor all the people out there that supported us um, forever. We have that. Are there any plans to maybe put in some of the footage that didn't make it and maybe come out with a Blu-ray or a, a special release streaming or otherwise? We'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, for us, the end result of this whole thing was the Emmys. That was our, you know, you work on something for a year and then you move on to a new project. Uh, so for us, we found we had a great completion with it being, you know, <laughs> winning the Emmys. Um, and, and we're good with it. Um, but who knows if there's demand for it, if people want to see more, we might do something a little bit more, have, have some of those clips that never made it. See what happens there. I do want to remind everybody you are listening to the Round Table of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking to our very special guest, John LaFlamboy of Zombie Army Productions up in Chicago, talking about his Emmy Award winning documentary, Feeding the Beast 25 Years of Statesville Haunted Prison, now available on YouTube for free. We're going to take a very short break, pay some bills, listen to this very important message, and we will be right back are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction haunt pay has the answer we skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots variable ticket types bundle and combo tickets social media discounts and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror talking with John LaFlamboy of Zombie Army Productions. All the cool things that go on in the Chicago area. A lot of the spooky ones you can attribute to them. Also the owner of Hell's Gate Haunted House, award-winning filmmaker, documentary maker, lots of other stuff. John, I want to go back a, a number of years, maybe even a decade. I'm not even sure what year this was, but one of the very first film things, aside from Days of the Living Dead, that I heard from you was that you had hired, of all people, Robert Englund to be in one of your feature films. I, I want to hear, I, I've never asked you about this process. How does one go about getting Robert England to star in one of your movies, which I believe is called Mole Man of Belmont Avenue? I mean, did you just have to back up a dump truck load of money to him and pull out <laughs> a contract? Or, how, how does one get somebody like that to star in a film like that? 
Well, thank God it wasn't the dump truck full of money because we didn't have any. <laughs> so that would have been awkward. I don't even think we could afford renting a dump truck at that point. Um, <laughs> the Mole Man of Belmont Avenue and Bobby, Bobby England. Um, this is a film uh, co-written, co-directed, co-produced, and co-starred in by myself and my filmmaking partner, Mike Bradish, um, who successful actor uh, living in L.A., commercials constantly. Uh, he was also one of, the, one of the main guys on the television show Fargo. Uh, brilliant man. Um, and much funnier man than me. Uh, we had written this movie and it was very much like everything else I do where it's like, we're going to do it right now. Whether we're ready or not, we're going to do it. And, and we had, uh, I, I think I pitched the movie on a napkin January 6th. I wrote down some ideas on a Southwest Airlines napkin. Uh, and we started filming six months later in June. Um, none of this is a good idea. Don't ever do that. Uh, but I did it. We did it. Uh, and it was just this fierce urgency of now. Um, we wanted to make a movie and we didn't want to wait for anyone else to tell us it was our turn to make a movie. So we put some money together. We uh, wrote a script, of course, and we showed our script around. And honestly, it, it, we didn't have any money to offer people. It was the script that did it. Uh, the script got people interested. Uh, the script we brought to a local studio and the studio said, we love it. And that was at page nine. Uh, and they came in, you know, with like $120,000 of in-kind and camera gear and stuff. Then we brought it to one of the big casting agencies in Chicago, um, Tenor Pascal Rudnicki at the time. Um, and they loved it, uh, which is fun for us because Mike and I are union actors ourselves. So we're always auditioning at this place for these people. Uh, and now we got to be on the other side of the table with them, which was such a kind of crazy experience for us, you know, idiot actors. Um, but it kind of was like this, this kind of ball that just started rolling. You know, it was very natural. We wrote a script and people liked the script. People said yes, because they liked the script. They thought it was funny and weird. Uh, and that was, that was our goal. Uh, and so we let that kind of momentum go. And it was, you know, when we were meeting with the casting people and they had asked us, who do you want in this movie? And I basically had on a white piece of paper, like a list of my friends, um, because I didn't know anyone else that would be in our movie because we didn't have any money and we were nobodies, you know, like we had directed nothing. Um, so why would anyone trust us? And there's this great moment with the casting agency where they said, no, 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 no. Um, and this is Mickey. Mickey said, no, no, we're not asking you about your friends. We didn't say yes. So we could put your friends in it. What's your wish list? What is your ultimate wish list? Uh, and, and that, that was like, <laughs> really? Uh, and so we wrote our wish list. And of course, Robert England was, on the top of my wish list. Um, very important to kind of like my, my creative growth as a kid. Um, Freddie was the first funny monster out there. Uh, he was the first monster that had these great one-liners and taglines. And, and there's this like very uncomfortable comedy uh, that, that Robert England was able to bring to a very terrifying movie. And it always stuck with me. So I absolutely wanted him to be part of my movie not as a monster, not as a bad guy, but part of a comedic ensemble, which also is something people just aren't offering him, you know, because they all want the low hanging fruit. Uh, so he was on the list. We, we gave the list. 
And uh, the casting agency went out there and they brought it to him. And <laughs> we were stunned when we got the call, like, Robert read your script. We're like, why? <laughs> we didn't understand. Like, was he trapped in an elevator for a day and had no choice? Um, but we were also thrilled. So we then had to do an interview with Robert, uh, which just made me, like, want to shit my pants because it's Robert England. And we have to do an interview. And, and, and at the time, I'm so crazy. We've already started production on the movie before casting was complete. I was like, whatever. It'll all work out. Trust the process. Um, so we're on like day two on set already. Robert hasn't even said yes yet. But I'm just like, this is happening. This is ordained by the universe. And we got in the car and I'm ready for the stress. I'm ready for his hard hitting questions. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to apologize to him for who we are and the audacity that we think he would be in our movie. I'm ready for all of it. Um, but instead we had this amazing conversation with Robert about the character and he loved the character. And so he started talking to us about one of my favorite parts was like, boys, 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 listen, boys, boys. I love the character. I love the description. If I, if I may, I'm going to add this. Mr. Confab wears Brooks Brothers suits at all times. And it's like silence. And we're like, like we're waiting. And, and he goes, boys, what do you think? And we're like, of course he does, Robert. Of course he wears Brooks Brothers suits at all times. And then he had this really great contribution. Like he wanted to wear a hat with a yellow feather in it. And we're just like two little kids in the car trying to hold our excitement inside. It was too much. We were just so geeked out that he loved the script and he loved the character. And to his credit, uh, he did it for minimum. He did it for the uh, union minimum, which is very low. I mean, his, his flight and his hotel probably cost the same amount of money that he took uh, for his acting fees. Um, and, and we, I mean... I, I can't tell you what a blessing. I really, it, it was an amazing, I mean, not just to have his name, that's sure. To have him as a human being on set, you cannot help but to learn from him. This man has done a hundred films. This man is an amazing career. He's an amazing education. He's a classically trained actor. Um, and to just be near him on set, you get better. Um, and, and I had this real trepidation about me directing Robert England, you know, and going up and giving him notes. Uh, it was like a terrifying process, but he was such a sweetheart. He'd take all my notes and then he'd give me some and I, and, and then he'd apologize. I'm like, no, no, thank you so much. I didn't go to film school. So thank you so much. Um, and he'd be giving me these great gifts of like, Johnny, 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 I, I see what you're doing. I love what you're doing, but nothing says love like a close up. And it's like these great moments where he's like giving us great advice and cheering us on. Uh, it, it was such a pleasure to work with that man. I, I know most people know him as a monster, but he is honestly one of the sweetest gentlemen uh, in, in American entertainment. And I cannot speak highly enough for him. I see him every year, every other year, depending on the horror conventions work. And without fail, every time he knows everything I've done in the last several years, like he knows what theater shows I've been in. He is a friend and he keeps up. Um, and yeah, it's uh, incredibly blessed uh, to, have, to have that man in our life. And we got Robert England and Tim Kazarinski in the same movie. And in both cases, it's like having 
two cool uncles out there in the universe now that I can reach out to and ask advice from. Sometimes it sounds like it's a really good thing to be too stupid to know that you really shouldn't ask somebody things like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just you know too dumb to say no. We're just, of course, we're going to get him. No big deal. I well, love the film. I thought it was hilarious. He, he probably <laughs> made up the difference in the salary in bar bets with like producers across Hollywood. All right, my next film, I'm going to have a yellow feather in every scene. I, I bet you that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> he used us to win a bunch of bar bets. I tell you, the bar bet we lost, and the whole time we're on set, you know, everybody wants to take Robert somewhere, of course. You know, they want to show him the city and the famous Green Mill and the famous this and the famous that. <clears throat> we're doing a scene uh, in the hallway, and it's just me, Michael, and uh, Robert, and uh, a little quiet moment. I lean in real quiet, not to, because I didn't want to put him on the spot. You know, you don't, you don't expect him to want to go out and do these things, right? So I just lean in real quiet. I'm like, hey, Robert, you know, everybody kind of wants to know, can we, can we take you out anywhere? Can, can we bring you somewhere? That, all these places they want to go. And uh, he looks to me and goes, Johnny, where do you go drink? I was like, oh, you don't want to do that, Robert. Uh, I just drink at this kind of like local bar. I mean, small, no TVs, usually a guy on a guitar at the end of the bar. Like, real small affair, man. And he's like, that's where we're going. So I'm like, okay. So I bring Robert England to my local bar. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I got to be careful with Robert. I got to make sure he's okay. You know, I can't, I can't let him get too drunk. You know, people are going to. And he was such a sweetheart. He's like, invite the cast. Invite the crew. We'll sit around. I'll tell stories to the kids. And so I invited a handful of the cast and crew. And this is a shoot night. We got shoots the next day. Now, Robert does not. His shoots are done. He's got nothing but a nice hotel and a first-class flight home the next day in the afternoon. Afternoon, this psychopath. Because what he does is he decides that we're not just going out for a drink. We're closing this shit down. And we're closing it twice. The place closed at two. They locked the doors. They put all the stools on the bar. And we're still, Robert's ordering another tray. A tray of shots is still coming to the table. Over and over and over. And and man, he walked out of that bar like he was a 25-year-old, like standing tall and straight and articulate. And I'm like holding myself up on him. I'm using him as a crutch now. You know, I'm, I'm half his age. And I just look at him and go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you did this to me. And he's laughing because clearly the man knows how to hold his whiskey. And the next day, I got to be on set three hours from that moment. Luckily, the scene we filmed in the Mole Man of Belmont Avenue was the day my character had a huge hangover and was desperate and giving up on life, uh, which worked perfectly fine for the hangover that Robert England gave me as I sat there going, that son of a bitch is in a hotel room right now, and I'm dying on the streets. <laughs> now, I'm going to put about. a challenge out there that if anybody goes to any conventions where he is at, do not go dressed as Freddie. Go dressed as his character. <laughs> as a car compound. <laughs> Talk that about method hilarious. acting. You had to get hung over, so you get hung over. That's that's yeah. dedication to your <laughs> I just wanted to show him a good time. <laughs> <laughs> when I see yeah, him at Trans World. He showed me the good time. <laughs> 
when I see a trans will remind you, remind me to uh, tell you the story about my dinner with Angus Scrim. That was oh hell yeah, not that interesting, oh, yeah. but total <laughs> gentleman. Um, are there places where people can still find Mole Man of Belmont Avenue? Are there online streaming, or is it on one of the Roku sure. channels? Or I believe where? it's on Amazon right now. I know it's about to switch contracts and everything. We just hit like a uh, part of the contract where it's got to get re-up, so it should be on Amazon right now. Um, otherwise, you know, at this point, lots of people have stolen it. It's out there. <laughs> you can find it. I'm sure. Just Google it. I'm sure it'll show up. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there streaming somewhere. Um, I, but I, I'm almost positive it's still on Amazon. Very nice. And, you know, talking about movies in the past, you've got a movie coming out in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. What's going yeah. on there? So, uh, Part of what I was doing out at Hell's Gate, part of why, you know, we're, we're kind of all in on Hell's Gate, is there's this other side thing I've always wanted to do is use a haunted house business, yeah, a facility to also facilitate independent filmmaking. Uh, by that, uh, basically streamline all the assets, right? Scene shops, costume shops, makeup shops, uh, all of your uh, in, uh, inside scenes, plus all of your outdoor. And if you've ever been to Hell's Gate, you know we've got 66 acres of property, you know, cliffs and paths and roads and lakes, and it's gorgeous out there. Um, and part of doing everything we did was so that we could also be a place to make movies. Uh, and we've been very successful at music videos. We've done tons of music videos over the last, you know, seven years now. We are the regular location uh, for the very successful band Breaking Benjamin. Uh, we've done four or five of their last music videos. Uh, if you're a fan of them, check it out. You'll see Hell's Gate and all their videos. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and that's kind of been what we've been doing. Uh, but I really wanted to make a feature. Um, I'm an actor, an ensemble member in Chicago here at the Artistic Home Ensemble. And one of my good friends in the ensemble, John Mossman, um, him and I have always talked about making a movie about guns in America uh, without making a political movie about guns in America. Uh, something that would, you know, broach the discussion at least. Uh, and so we got it. We got on it one night, <laughs> yelling, yelling at each other, a couple of beers afterwards. And uh, he came up with a wonderful script. Uh, I then became the script uh, consultant uh, in the writing process and, and helped him with the writing process. I then became a producer of the movie. Uh, and, and, you know, he brought in a producer from L.A. to make sure this whole thing got done. And I pitched the idea of filming the entire movie at Hell's Gate Haunted House, like a studio. And inside the town of Lockport, which is a you know 150 year old plus town here in Illinois. Um, you know, and I pitched the idea that we could make a whole movie here like a studio for a fraction of the cost uh, that we'd be paying Chicago prices or LA prices. Uh, and because of all that, we got it all together and we made this movie all at Hell's Gate Haunted House. So it's something I'm real proud of because it's a, you know, it's a test, a concept test, proof of concept. Um, and, 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 and to see all of those assets used, not just for the haunted house, but to be telling these other stories, uh, was a, a great, uh, experience for me. And, and I also, you know, because I'm an actor, I got to play, you know, one of, one of the, one of the parts in the movie too, which was a great, great fun to shave my head and, uh, be the detective in, in the story. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so good guy with a gun is the movie. It's coming out February 20th. Um, we have not released where yet. It's all very much on lock and key. So we will start releasing posters 
and all of that very soon on the Zombie Army Productions Facebook and Instagram, the Good Guy with a Gun movie, Facebook and Instagram. Um, this movie, John Mossman, the writer and director, I mean, he has won almost every award you could win uh, making an independent film like this. It's uh, We've been incredibly lucky. We've won at festivals across the country and across the world. Uh, we've won Best Picture 24 times. Um, it's it didn't it has not gone to a foreign film festival that it did not do very well at. Uh, and John Mossman, to his credit, has won Best Director, Best Writer. Um, it's done very very well out there, and we are very proud of it. We're very excited about it. Um, it is a story about a young man um, that that falls into the wrong crowd. And, you know, what happens when someone puts a gun in his hand and says, this will take care of all of your anger um, and explores that story. It's not anti-gun. It's not pro-gun. It is a story about guns. It is a discussion. And we've been kind of really fortunate to get to take that on tour across America uh, and have these conversations with people, you know, whether it be Chicago or Michigan or Arizona or Texas, um, and truly have this conversation about guns in America without it being... A political moment um so yeah it's been a really great experience uh, i've met some great people on the road at the uh, festivals uh and we're really really proud uh, of what we put together there and you have something else coming out a little later down down the road maybe before the end of the year what what's that project yeah so there's so we made the documentary for statesville right uh the feeding the beast documentary but we have already been working on a documentary now we started work on it in 2015 um so the moment we started digging the dirt for hell's gate before hell's gate existed uh we started making a documentary about the entire haunted house industry because it just doesn't exist out there there's a bunch of kind of offshoot docs you know that start to tell the story but like then fall in love with somebody's torture porn place somewhere um we don't need to name them um, but i haven't seen a true documentary that really told the story of haunted houses uh and so mike meyer and chris otto of yokai films um who's been doing days of living dead with me all this time uh we started filming this this documentary a feature film documentary that goes to the very beginning of all of this um and uses us building hell's gate and going all the way to opening night of Hell's Gate is kind of like the spine. Uh, so we get to see one, <clears throat> one production team building a haunted house from concept to opening night, while at the same time, we're at Netherworld down in Atlanta. We're at Basement of the Dead. Um, we're at Enigma in Florida. Uh, we traveled around the country to see other haunted houses, talk to their families, their crews, their, their teams, um, whether it's home haunters or big, big shows like Bennett Netherworld, um, getting that kind of whole gambit of what it is, what the haunted house industry is, uh, and making sure we really tell its history, you know, because it is a very muddy history out there. I mean, you know this at conventions, you ask 10 different people, the history of haunted houses, you got to get 10 different stories. Um, and so it's been really great to, to, especially Mike Meyer, just kudos credits on him again. He has taken this task so unbelievably seriously. And I've learned a great deal about the business that I've been in for all these years from this process of doing this documentary. I mean, I didn't realize that this all started to show off the light bulb when the light bulb was invented, 
it goes all the way back to that. Um, you know, so it's like this wonderful, you know, we, we, we do have this rich, deep history in this industry of ours, but no one's really put the whole story together out there. So uh, Mike Meyer and Chris Sato have done an amazing job. I, once again, I'm a producer on it, uh, but I can't, can't take credit for anything without singing their song. Th those guys are just amazing, amazing creative people that are putting together one hell of a story. So uh, the name of the documentary is The Fright Stuff. Um, we were going to go with Red, White, and Boo. Uh, that was a working title for a minute. Um, uh, but not enough people understood what that meant. Uh, so we went to the Fright Stuff, uh, which, uh, I think that's, uh, it's the title that's sticking right now. And we're hoping this feature will be done and we'll be showing it at conventions and horror events, uh, this spring. And then it will launch and do the whole film festival tour. Um, and we hope to be traveling with it for about a year before we decide to sell it. Did you film at places like Transworld or Midwest and talk to vendors for the industry and haunt owners? Oh yeah, from that as well. I, did, I never, I don't think I ever saw a film crew. I mean, I saw you know podcasters well, and other people, but you know, sure. was, if you did, it was low key. Yeah, uh, and 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 it is, you know, and it's a, a lot of times we filmed them at their homes too. You know, we we drove out. You know, we sent the team out to California uh, to sit down with. Uh, uh, Adam uh, Johnson from Poison Props, um, who uh, himself is an amazing artist. Um, we wanted to get people in their own areas too, not just at a trade show with all the noises in the back. So there's a lot of sending people out to do interviews. And we also have a lot of interviews from the trade show, of course, because you can't do a documentary about the haunted house industry without uh, a chapter about Transworld. Um, you just can't. Uh, Transworld is such a big part of this industry at large um and so of course we had to cover a little bit about the industry you know jen and her father joe um and then of course the vendors at these trade shows because you can't talk about a haunted house industry without talking about all the beautiful artists making everything um so yes it is absolutely it's the gambit man it's uh we are trying to cover all of it uh, and make sure this movie isn't longer than an hour and 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to cover. I think we have a seven-hour cut right now. Uh, a kid. It, 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 it's getting there. It's getting there. We're beating it up like it owes us money because it will. Um, Are you telling me but, that the haunt industry didn't start with J.C. Penney's or with J.C. Penney's? Well, <laughs> the J.C. the J.C.'s in the 70s? Right? The yeah, that's where a lot of people are like, J.C. started all. Yeah, no. No. Uh, they did bring organization to it, though. That's for sure. You know, they I, I did, did discover through all this, like the first manual written for how to do a business haunted house actually came out of JC's. Um, and that guy, we've been hunting him. I mean, really hunting him. I got people in bushes looking for this man. He lives in Chicago and we can't get him. Uh, the guy that wrote that original book for the JC's back in the 70s. He's retired here to Chicago somewhere. Uh, so if anybody knows them, you're out there, you're looking for them. Yeah. So yeah, that documentary is something that we, we hope to be finished this year, but it's really important to us that we get it right. It's really important to us that it's not like some of the other documentaries we've seen. Um, and that it gives this industry, uh, and the history, those, those who came before us, you know, that it pays the respect, uh, that those people deserve because, you know, Getting into the haunted house business now, that's one thing. These lunatics were getting into the haunted house business before there was a business. You know, it's like, 
these are the lunatics we got to celebrate. Absolutely. Speaking of trans world, uh, just saw the trailer for the 2024 show up on the trans world website. You are featured in it. I believe you are actually the last person to speak during it and, and have another part in there. What is the zombie army going to be doing at trans world? Will there be maybe a screening of the documentary or some classes being yeah. taught? What, what's going on at trans world that we can all look well, forward to? For the zombie army, of course, we have our zombie army booth on the trade show floor. Uh, of course, we're selling our gear and our merch and our go ghost hunting app that is for your queue lines. Of course, that's all happening. That's the business side. Um, and then I'm teaching classes. Uh, I love teaching at trans world. Uh, so I'll be teaching, you know, 61 ideas with Ben Armstrong and Alan Hops again, which is just one of my most favorite classes because yeah, we're just in a room being loud and fun and uh, throwing out ideas for people. It's just fun. Uh, and then I'll be teaching a class about safety. It'll be the first time I've taught a class about safety. Um, but here in Illinois, you know, I work really tightly with the fire department and the Illinois Labor Board and, you know, other powers that be. Um, and I've never taught a class about safety, but I, I work at it very, very hard. It's one of the, the most important things I do um, with my entire job of doing haunted houses is what I do for safety, I think is the most important. Uh, and I've never taught a class about producing a safe show. Uh, so I will be teaching that class. I highly recommend it. I know it's not sexy. I know. I know. If I teach acting classes, everybody wants to go to an acting class. I teach safety classes, not as many people. Um, but I highly recommend doing it because it really is about how you produce it with the people in your show. Um, so it is very much uh, just as important as any of my acting classes is my safety class. Highly recommend it. Saturday, 11, nope, 1230. Um, but uh, later in Saturday. The right? And then, yes, uh, I, I guess it counts for the chaos certification. Yes. yes. Um, I don't have anything to do with that, but someone put that red line under it, so. They, they read my description. They must believe it does. Um, later in the day uh, is is going to be maybe the last time we screen Feeding the Beast, 25 Years of States Haunted Prison, the documentary. Uh, we want to do it for free at Transworld. Uh, so I asked Jen, like, can you just throw this up in a room? I don't want to charge anybody. I want people to get a chance to see it for free. And I know you can see it for free at home, but to sit together, you know, in a room, different you know experiencing something like that together uh and more importantly to watch it and then have a q a uh so my brother kyle will be joining me um he's been there since he was nine years old uh so he, he, he knows all of it uh and the two of us will screen it with everybody in the room and then do a q a afterwards about what it meant to close down a successful show what it meant to how did we close it down how do we turn it into a financial benefit um you know there's a lot of things that go into closing a show it, it is its own production uh so we'll talk a little bit about that about closing it down uh and having that q a with everybody and and talk about the movie and honestly i just wanted a place where everyone can go at the end of the trade show you know the floor closes you know within 30 minutes of that time the end of the day grab a beer grab a drink grab whatever you want grab some popcorn pop in the room let's watch a 37 minute movie together and talk about it. Um, I just figured it'd be a fun thing to do at the end of the Saturday trade show floor before any of those night activities kick off. Any questions from the other hosts at this time? You know, hitting a lot of things fast and furious. I'm trying to think of good, good questions. We keep hitting points, uh, which are real good. And, and um, 
you know, and definitely the safety thing that that can always be pushed up. And, you know, even the documentaries, you know, for how big the industry is yet, you're right. There are just not enough, uh, you know, documentaries or any types of features on haunted attractions. And that, that always confused me on it too, because it becomes such a traditional thing for people too. You know, you'll ask about their memories and stuff for it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just glad that, you know, especially if you're looking back at some of the older haunts and things, you know, uh, you'd think some of this technology is lost technology, you know, like a pepper's ghost and stuff. If, you know, we don't document this in our 20 years, history channel is going to be thinking ancient aliens made these haunts. (laughs) Alien experts say yes. Um, is there a project coming up that you you know some sort of direction that you'd you'd hope to do a wish list or or something like that? Um, I mean, I've got anyone who knows me knows I've been working on a comedy horror um, behind the scenes of a haunted house, um, very much in the same kind of vein as Mole Man was, which is kind of my jam. That comedy horror. Um, we've been working on this script. It is. Uh, it's it's my wish list, you know. It's 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 the thing I hope to do within the next few years. Here we've got a script, we've got people attached. You know, Robert England said he'd do it. I, I even want Ed. I, I reached out to Ed Edmonds. He could do it. Um, you know, so it's like, yes, that that wish list is out there right now. But the thing I think I'm the you know the most focused on right now is Zombie Army has been doing multiple shows in multiple locations for multiple years. You know, two decades. Um, and the thing I'm the most excited now is this thing that we're all doing, this kind of one location concept uh, where we can do anything at one location if we put all of our energy, all of the talent, all of the creativity into it. And I, I think that's the most exciting thing going on right now for me. It's very much a behind the scenes kind of thing. Uh, but to see Hell's Gate growing right now, uh, because it is a baby. You know, when I shut down Statesville, Hell's Gate has only, had only been around for you know what, five years at the time. Um, so Hell's Gate's kind of this new haunted house, but it is this kind of concept for me as to creating this one location where everybody can come and create and produce, uh, whether it's your independent film or your photo shoot. Uh, and that, that's kind of the thing I'm the most excited about right now is, is tending that garden, um, you know, making sure I, I tend that garden very, very specifically. Uh, because we all feel very grateful that we have this opportunity. And I'm one of those people I just do not like wasting opportunities. So that's that's my main thing, you know. And oh, and uh, on that note, uh, Midwest Honors. Um, I'm going to open up Hell's Gate for Midwest Honors. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, and, and I'm excited to show people what we're doing out there for Midwest Honors. So if any of y'all are coming out to Midwest Honors, Friday night, come on out. Is that official part of MHC or is this just I'm opening it up? No, no, Everyone it's official. I, I, okay. No, no, it's, it's official. I wouldn't do it any other way. Uh, yeah, no, no, not trying to compete with a, a horror convention in town. Uh, I don't care that much. And, and no part of me actually enjoys opening my haunted house in the off season. I'm kind of a purist. I don't do seasonal events. I don't do Christmas. I don't do St. Patrick's Day or Valentine's Day. I only do fall. Um, so to open up for Midwest Honors is already very much against the grain and an incredibly difficult thing to do when you have 160 acting positions to fill uh, off season. Um, so no, it'll be, uh, we're doing it for the industry. 
Uh, we're doing it because people want to see it. And we're doing it because of all the shows that opened up in the off season that I got to see, you know, all the years I went to Ohio for Midwest Honors and saw amazing shows that inspired me. All the, all the shows I saw on a trans world tour that inspired me. This is why I open up for trans world uh, because I've seen amazing things because of them. Uh, and I feel like it's my responsibility to uh, pay the favor back and let someone come see my show. I know Will it's on the, the bucket list for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Me included. I got well, to see State in, in 15, and that was it. So, Hell State's <laughs> See, le le Legendary Haunt Tours, Tour is where I want people to see Hell's Gate because mm -hmm. we're already open. It's already set. It's fall. It feels right. I already got to do all my training. You know, we're very, very specific about our acting training, and that takes a whole lot to start a season. Very difficult to do in June. I really want to get Hell's Gate on Legendary, but I don't want to do it until we've had 10 years because I don't think you should be Legendary until you've done 10 years. So, gotta, and I don't think I'll be done. I'm not done with my first draft of the design yet. I really think that takes like eight to nine years. Um, so I'm looking to be done with my first draft of Hell's Gate by the end of next year, if everything goes right. Okay, so I am ready to ask you like a very deep question. Okay. Not that I'm a stalker or anything, but anyone who knows about you in your history and that you started this as a fundraiser when you were still in college with your theater group. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how you fell into the haunted attraction industry. Um, but let's say that didn't happen. You don't know all of the things that you know now. And somebody is like starting fresh right now. What would you do different? What would you, do you think you do the same thing that you used to do? What would you recommend to someone just starting in the industry or someone like me who, you know, is, is still a small fry in the business sure. what advice or what would you do different? Oh God. Um, <clears throat> Sydney Neal. I went and visited Sydney Neal when she was shutting down Rocky Point. It was the final year of Rocky Point in Salt Lake City. And she she was so gracious. She allowed all of us to come in, see the show as one big, big celebration. And then she did these kind of classes and behind the scenes things. And she said something to me. And this is about halfway through, right? About halfway through my career at this point. And she had said the one thing she wishes she thought of in the beginning. And it struck me so hard. Plan for the company you want to be in 10 years, 15 years, and 20 years. Don't plan for the company you want to be right now or next year. Because if you do the, the things right, the things you're supposed to do right, you don't want to be caught in a box that's too small and too awkward that you can't grow into that company that you want to be in 10 years. Um, and, and, and I thought it was great advice because it, in the haunted house business, it was almost like, you weren't allowed to have these long visions of how this business was going to go, how you were going to develop this business. Everything was so damn seasonal. Um, you know, we all hope we get to do it next year. Um, and so everything was kind of temporary, right? Um, whereas Sydney kind of gave me that lesson of, of have that long vision. Where do you want to be? You know, and work towards that from, from, from the word go. Um, I did not have that in the beginning. I mean, I, I, I didn't know anything I mean, there were no conventions or, you know, magazines or anything like that, giving me a roadmap of how to do any of this. 
now, all that being said, I would not change anything I did. Um, I am a man of many failures. And, and, and I am incredibly proud of all of my failures. Uh, they are my greatest teachers, my greatest lessons. Um, and and it, it is that long road of failing uh, that got us to where we are right now. Um, so if I'm looking at someone uh, today and I had to give them advice, I cannot base it on my history. I cannot base it on what I did and what I didn't do. Uh, because at the end of the day, that person is the only person that has to wake up and be them. Um, they're the only one who's got to face that reality every day. So I would say do what's best for you. Uh, you know, really think about you. You know, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to get out of this? Um, and, and how do you want to run it? Uh, because you may have a different vision than I have. Uh, it's just different. It's not worse or better. It's just different. Um, so I try never to put anybody in a box. Do it this way. Um, the only advice I truly have, though, if, if I was to give advice <clears throat> to someone starting the business, uh, besides the first bit of advice, oh, God, don't. Um, if I was to give other advice, it would be uh, remember uh, that this is live entertainment. And live entertainment is only as good and as successful as the people doing the entertaining. Uh, so surround yourself with beautiful, smart uh people smarter than you. I love some people. I love surrounding myself with people smarter than me. Uh, it's the easiest cheat. Um, but surround yourself with those good people and, and, and then be loyal to those good people. Take care of those people. Um, that's something in the beginning with zombie army that we were just kind of inherently like that because we we're all theater people. So that's all we ever knew. You know, it's all we ever knew since the time we were 13 going through theater in high school and, and then going to university for theater. It was always about the people uh, you can take away the beautiful sets and you can take away the costumes and all the money for the marketing. You have a really cool group of people. You could still tell stories that people want to hear. Um, so I always say surround yourself with great people. Take care of those people. Those people are the show. They are the thing uh, that people are coming to see. Uh, they're not coming to see your walls. They're not coming to see your paints. They're not coming to see that prop that broke week one. Uh, they're not coming to see any of that. They're coming to see the people. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, at home, when they're telling stories, they're not telling stories about the treatment that your wallpaper had. They're telling the stories about that magic moment that one actor created. Um, so surround yourself with good people and take care of those people. Good answer. <laughs> I, I would have thought you might change um, your your mind about maybe uh, shutting down a bar with Robert England, but you know, hey. no, 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 no. I take all my scars. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I'm looking at the clock and I know we have to wind down a little bit. So, you know, if you have a uh, final questions for John, this would be an excellent time for the host to chime in. Um, I will ask, have you inv been invited or has the zombie army been invited to participate in the East coast honors convention coming in April to Philly? No. Um, we won't be going as a group just because it's out of our market. doesn't make sense to us um, when it comes to like vending on the floor. Um, Cause I don't sell props and like shit you need. <laughs> Some t-shirts. Um, but uh, I want to go. Um, and so I think, I think you'll see some of us there because Holy hell, look at that show. Um, I love the tours. Uh, so th those are tours. Those are haunted houses. I want to see. Um, I want to see th that magic, right? Um, I like the tours. I like the parties. 
Um, so yeah, you'll probably see me and a handful of us at all the tours and the parties. Um, but not very early in the morning on any given day. <laughs> Would not expect that. So any questions for John LaFlamboy at this time as we slowly start winding this down? Well, John, I know that um, we would be remiss if we did not bring up Days of the Living Dead, which we have touched on briefly. You, you've mentioned yeah. it a bit, but um, tell us what's in the works for that. You got? I'm assuming that you're going to have yet another season coming up sometime in the future. What's 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 going on? And yeah, what is it? Uh, that you may not know. Yeah, uh, you would assume wrong. Really? Uh, Days of the Living Dead the is a <laughs> is a reality web series that uh, goes backstage of the haunted house industry. Um, we've been doing it for over ten years uh, with Mike Meyer and Chris Sato of Yokai, uh, and it has followed zombie army trade shows, conventions, haunt tours, zombie proms, other stuff we've done throughout the year. And you know, it's it's followed us from the beginning of our season, where you know, right before we go to Transworld, uh, to you know, the very last customer going through the haunted house. Now, we've been doing that for 10 years. Um, so there's been a lot of rumors that that uh, Days of the Living Dead is over, that the show is done, that the show is dead, and it's never coming back. Um, and there's some legitimacy to those rumors. Uh, I know, I know, yeah. Um, but, but there's also this, this, tiny little, this tiny little idea right now. It's got this little, little glimmer. Uh, of doing something different with the show that I'm kind of excited about. Um, and we're working it out right now with Yokai. And we're trying to find something new that inspires us uh, because we've done it for 10 years. And I'm a big fan of like, put a lot of your heart and soul into something. And when you find that it's done, move on to something else. And, you know, Mike Meyer, uh, he absolutely believed that about the show. The way we do the format now is really based on us doing multiple attractions. Um, so we're working on a different idea. Days of the Living Dead, as you know it, is done. Um, but we're working on something new uh, that I think uh, I, I think could be uh, I think could be very exciting for a lot of people. Your eye on that? <laughs> I know. Well, it's I hope it still brings inspiration because I found the Days of the Living Dead very inspirational. I learned I learned a lot, but mostly what I I learned was the um, the environment, the community that you foster with your, with all of your haunts and with all of your staff, you know, there's where, you know, the Island of Misfits and mm -hmm. sometimes we're the, the only Island that people have, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Mm -hmm. And I love that you foster that sense of community and family. And you could definitely see that in not only the documentary, especially the documentary, but, but even in any, any number of episodes of your day of the living dead days of the living dead. Um, I really like that. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, we hope to find something new here, but it's about, you know, it's about creating, right. But mm -hmm. you know, it's about pushing the line forward uh, and doing something new. And that's very much something that Yokai films believes in. It's something zombie army feels in. Um, so if we could push the line forward and create something new that we think has some magic to it, that's what we're going to do. Um, if we don't, and we go out that last season was the final season, I mean, we did one of the coolest episodes ever last season, and I don't know if enough people know about this episode, um, but for those who don't uh, and don't know Days Living Dead, go check out last season. 
I brought Doug Jones to Hell's Gate. Yes, uh, that was you, awesome. And if you don't know Doug Jones, he is the world's foremost movement actor. Him and uh, Peter uh, Peter Cetera, Sarah, Sarah I'm, I'm, I'm screwing up his name. Um, there's another guy who's really good. Uh, but Andy Circus, sorry. Andy Circus is where I was searching that. Andy Circus <laughs> and Doug Jones are two of the greatest movement actors of our time in Hollywood film. And Doug Jones specifically has created some of the most iconic monsters uh, in horror, uh, our, our most recent horror, and I mean, over the last two and a half decades. Uh, he has been, I mean, past Labyrinth, I mean, come on. Uh, he's everything. Um, and I was fortunate enough, I reached out to him uh, and I told him I wanted him to come teach my actors movement. Uh, and he said, yes. Um, so of course I filmed it. Uh, because I'm a filmmaker. Um, and there's this wonderful episode I recommend to all haunted house actors out there. Give it a go. Uh, Doug Jones just drops diamonds and gems on us through the whole episode of great acting advice, great movement advice. Um, I was incredibly privileged uh, that I got to spend that time with him. And I highly recommend people go and look that episode up uh, on our website, daysofthelivingdead.com. Uh, check out the Doug Jones episode. It is it is one of my favorite things we have ever done uh, with that web series. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I shared that with my actors because I, I have a clan page for the Banshee. Oh, great. And I said, I was like, hey, you guys watch this. Watch this. It was great. He's so great. He's so great. He, he's an amazing hugger as well. He hugs everybody. He that and sees him at shows. You know, I took my kids to a show and he was there and he was like, oh, I got to get hugs from all of you. So, yeah. He's the most he's loving fantastic. man. Like he's such an amazing, generous human being. Like, yeah, uh, he's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world now. One of, one of my favorite interviews and one of my favorite people we've ever had on the show. And I hope to see him again at some point very soon. But any final questions for John as we wind down this wonderful roundtable of terror? And if we don't, John, this is the part of the show we like to call the plugs. I know you have so many irons in the fire. You probably have 337 websites and social media pages and things like that. But where can people see Feeding the Beast, 25 Years of Stasteful Haunted Prison? Where can people get information on Zombie Army Productions? Where can they buy a t-shirt? Where can they get information on Hell's Gate? Maybe follow progress updates, get teasers for the upcoming season. Where can they find out information about Good Guy with a Gun, The Fright Stuff, Days of the Living Dead, and whether or not another piece of a zombie mannequin has popped up out of Lake Michigan since your haunt sank a few <laughs> years ago? We weren't going to touch uh, on it, but I did want to find uh, out if anything has popped up. <laughs> what are some websites and social medias where people can get all that information and so much more? Well, the Chicago police blotter usually alerts all of us when body parts come up from the uh, muddy bottom of Lake Michigan because of my <laughs> Container 9 haunted house that sank to the bottom. So you can check me out on the Chicago police blotter. Uh, otherwise, uh, zombiearmyproductions.com uh, kind of is the gateway to all the different things we do. You can choose a tile, go in any direction for Zombie Army. Uh, Days of the Living Dead, uh, like I said, we're uh, in the midst of we're going to show the Statesville documentary, and then we are full tilt on finishing our feature documentary, uh, which is The Fright Stuff. Uh, you can check all that out on daysofthelivingdead.com and follow us on social. 
Hell's Gate at hellsgate.com and Fear Hell's Gate on social. Uh, we'll let you know all the things we got coming up at Hell's Gate this year and our upcoming tour for Midwest Haunters Convention. Good Guy with a Gun movie comes out February 20th. That's February 20th. Follow us on social, Good Guy with a Gun movie. Uh, we'll be putting updates everywhere for that. We're incredibly excited about that movie release. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I'm sure there's more that I missed, but you exhausted me by telling me all the things I do. I feel like um, I need a nap. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, <laughs> please follow, please jump on, send me an email, send me a message. Uh, I love talking to people out there. Uh, if I don't respond right away, no, it's because I'm a crazy person. Uh, and uh, I'll get to it eventually. Does Zap23 still get you to the Zombie Army page? Yes, it does. Zap23.com for people who, like me, who are too lazy to type the whole thing. <laughs> well, John LaFlamboy, it has been an absolute delight. And I know we've been trying to get you on the show for a number of weeks. I know you were very busy over the holidays, but I'm so glad we were finally able to get you here to talk about Feeding the Beast, 25 Years of Statesville Haunted Prison. Fantastic documentary. Catch it on YouTube, folks, or catch it at Transworld. You will laugh, you'll cry, you'll shed every emotion. So lovely, lovely work there. Uh, Zombie Army Productions, you know, Hell's Gate, all this cool stuff. Check out all the sites he mentioned. We want to thank you again. We so much appreciate it. We also want to thank our wonderful hosts for participating in this, including Storm. Uh, forever the most haunting creature that Doug Jones has ever done, in my opinion, is still Mac tonight, the uh, McDonald's spokesman. <laughs> yes! Yeah, that was actually how he, kind of terrifying. That's how he bought his time. first house. <laughs> also want to thank Meat Hook Jim. I, I don't know where Storm dug that up from, but I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Would also like to thank Jonna, the old crone. And if John will promise to um, take down the restraining order on me, I'm going to get a hug at Transworld from you, okay? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> You can go to the police blotter and make a report. There you go. My, <laughs> my name is Drew Badger, and, and I want to take today, Monday the 5th, to wish my twins a very happy birthday. They are no longer mouthy teenagers. They're now mouthy 20-somethings. So Yay. happy birthday, twin boy and twin girl. And uh, move out when you can. Get out. <laughs> shoot, shoot. Start paying your own bills. Yeah, exactly. We'll see you guys at Transworld in just a few weeks. This is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Jim, it was either a Mac Tonight joke or uh, I was going to do the math and see if all John's movies have made more than Argyle did. <laughs> This is Kirk Kirsteiner, otherwise known as Dr. Greenblade at the Terror Tallahassee, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For over 10 years, that passion.
Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. Here it is, February 2024, continuing on our tortures and execution journey with Death Row USA. Thousands of men spent years on death row, watching helplessly as fellow inmates are led to their execution. Although the execution rate seems to be increasing, the empty ranks are quickly filled. Inside the prison, a man prepares to die for a crime committed years before. At the gates are two opposing groups. One believes justice is being done. The other is adamantly opposed to the death penalty. Often they clash, both sides claiming greater grief and the moral high ground. The vigil ends when a guard comes to the gate to announce the deed is done. Death Row has lost an inmate. His passing has a profound effect on those left behind. It is part of the punishment process. Men must confront numerous other deaths before facing their own. There are more than 3,600 men on death row in the USA. California has the highest death row population, 551 as of 1999, followed by Texas, which also has the highest number of annual executions. There were 98 executions in America in 1999, the most since 1976. In 1994, President Bill Clinton signed an act that expanded the types of crime punishable by the federal death penalty. Opponents point to numerous hurdles that might hinder the accused. They might have been poorly advised by an inexperienced court-appointed attorney. Those destined for death row are usually poor and often illiterate. They might have been the victims of prejudice. Time and again, racial overtones have been detected in capital cases. While black and Latino people comprise less than a quarter of America's population, they represent nearly half of the prisoners on death row. They might be brain damaged or otherwise mentally deficient. In 1989, the Supreme Court decided that it is not a violation of the Eighth Amendment to execute people who are retarded. One in 50 is likely to have been under the age of 18 when the crime was committed. Since 1988, it has been deemed unlawful to execute those under 16. While the U.S. signed the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights in 1992, which outlawed the death penalty for those under 18 at the time of the offense, it reserved the right to execute juveniles. Fifteen states prohibit the execution of anyone who was under 18 at the time of the offense. Since 1990, six countries 
have executed prisoners who were under 18 when they committed the capital offense. America condemned 10 to death. The other five countries are Iran, Nigeria, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. The condemned might be innocent. One report claims that as many as 350 people convicted of capital crimes between 1900 and 1985 in America were innocent. Some prisoners escaped execution at the 11th hour, but 23 are believed to have died. Legal loopholes can win a reprieve at the last minute. Equally, there are technicalities which seem to fast-track prisoners to execution. Death Row in Texas is in the Terrell Unit, named for Charles T. Terrell, Sr., a past chair of the T Texas Criminal Justice Department and erstwhile supporter of the death penalty. But a letter published in Dallas in February 2000 revealed that even he has doubts. We now have an option of life without the possibility of parole. I think the specter of life without parole is much more frightening than death by injection. Racial disparity is a legitimate issue to investigate, and I believe that anyone facing the death penalty should have the right to a complete investigation as to whether DNA evidence can be double-checked our legal system for error. Not doing so is a criminal act by society. Well, that just goes to show you what we're looking at in death row as of about 20 years ago. Um, granted, my source material isn't the up-to-date as it should be, but this pretty much lines it out. So we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. How could anyone guess that Daniela was reliving the legend of the Wolf Woman? She is every man's dream of love until she becomes possessed with an evil that turns her life into a bloody and terrifying nightmare that never ends. Now, at last, you can see a true story so brutal, so horrifying, that it was kept from the public for over a century. The Legend of the Wolf Woman. Before your very eyes, the Wolf Woman is born in an act of reincarnation that is as sensual, as violent, as bloody as anything you will ever see on the motion picture screen. The demented passions in The Legend of the Wolf Woman will eat you up. From Dimension Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Prelude to a Nightmare. Prelude to a Nightmare. On the Big Scary Show.
Hey, this is Mel Products from Los Angeles, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Perfect. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. <laughs> it's time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> on this episode of Ask the Old Crone, I saw something very interesting on Haunter's Hangout. And I definitely wanted to get a hold of this company and find out more information about it because it's something I'm even interested in using. So I have with me Justin from Scython. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So make a new announcement for us. What, what little th- tidbit of information did you drop on Haunter's Hangout? Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, so Scython, we've been around for about three years now. And we are an actor management platform with a suite of tools to help you manage your actors and staff at your haunt. So we recently added a new feature to allow our users to be able to create their attractions using a 3D floor plan builder. So essentially, within the attractions page on our platform, you can go in, you can draw out the where all of your walls are going to be for your attraction. And then you can start adding our 3D models that we have in our growing haunt library and really start to visualize in 3D what your attraction may look like if it's something that you are planning to do or you're doing a redesign of one of your attractions or just creating what you currently have. So then you can place your actor positions in there and really get a, a good 3D visualization of what your haunt looks like and where all your people are. So what are you calling this software? Does it have a name? So this, yeah, so this feature is, it's a new feature within Scython, and we call it Attraction Studio. Very cool. Now, this is going to replace those, um, oh, you know, some people use different types of games where they're able to build things, like The Sims. Um, I use a graph paper and a pencil and a lot of erasers. This is going to really revolutionize the planning process for a lot of haunts. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the haunt owners that I've talked to, uh, one of the common themes that I've heard is when you know designing new attractions, some haunts are you know using just paper and pencil, like you said, you know, doing it on graph paper, um, which obviously you lose the ability to really see it in 3D. You just kind of have to conceptually think about what that would look like in 3D. And then some of your larger haunts may be using like AutoCAD or some computer-aided design software. Um, but one downside to that is the expense. And then there's obviously a, a learning curve to learning how to use a piece of software like that. So with Attraction Studio, one of our main goals was to make it super easy to use for anyone just to jump in and be able to use the tool and hit the ground running. So you provide tech support for that? We do, Absolutely. And is this, you said this was included in your packages for actor management? Yes. Yeah, so, Scython currently, we have four subscription plans 
Um, and we do have a 30-day free trial, so anyone can sign up. No credit card is required. And you can go to the attractions page, create a new attraction, and get started right away. Okay, so what if someone wanted to do just this particular feature? So we are talking about releasing a new subscription plan, which would just be this feature um, and would not include the other components of Cython. Currently, we don't have that available yet. So you could sign up for the free trial and then use it for 30 days. Um, and then hopefully in the future, we'll be able to make that a standalone subscription plan. Okay. Now, uh, one of the questions I would think is once I have created my haunt using your software, I need to get that information to my builders and to my staff. So is there a way of printing this out in uh, like almost like a blueprint type format? Yes, absolutely. So you kind of have two or three options there. So you can print it, um, and there's two different views. You can print the two-dimensional view, which shows you the scale. So you can actually create your walls to scale, and you can print that two-dimensional view, or you can print the three-dimensional view from any angle. But additionally, there's a share link um, whenever you create an attraction, and it will give you a unique URL that you can share with anyone and they'll be able to view that 3D floor plan and zoom and can and be able to see it in 3D, but they just can't edit that floor plan. Mm-hmm. So you could create that and then share that with your, your builders, your set designers. They can see it, but not go in and make any changes to it. That's pretty cool. I'm real excited about this. I had tried to learn CAD and um, some different things, and I consider myself pretty computer savvy, and it just you know, gave me a few more gray hairs, and I went back to my graph paper and pencil. So you feel like this is pretty user-friendly? Yeah, I definitely do, and I've also used um, AutoCAD in the past, and it definitely has a learning curve to it. It's got some cool stuff, but it's not for someone to just want to sit down in a couple hours and build out their attraction if they don't have the experience. So yeah, I definitely think that that this was created in mind to be as user-friendly easy to use as possible. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of people really excited about this program like I am. And obviously, they can go to your website, which is? It is Cython.io, and that is S-I-T-H-O-N.io. And you're going to be at Transworld at what booth? Yes. Well, I believe it's 2111. Um, it's right in the interactive. It's on the, like the very edge of the interactive side near the um, haunt side, and then we will also be at Fear Expo in Kentucky in April. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me, and let me ask you the same questions I'm sure a lot of people were curious about. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. This is Matt Carlock here, enjoying the Big Scary Show from Frozen Morgue Haunted Attractions in Texas. On a peaceful island, the cheerful sounds of children fill the air. But something strange is happening. Where are the people? Where are they, Tom? And only they know why. (coughs) Island of the Damned. A nice place to visit, but you could never live there. Island of the Damned. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment 
dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Shadow Symphony. The dead are watching on the big scary show.
ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karam. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karam.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios Creepy Collection Dark Imaginings Fright Finder Haunt Pay Von Caron Productions and VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Storm, Rants and more, hauntminute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show, LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves. <laughs>